0: Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone everywhere every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Den. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Hello. Who all was here last Sunday? I'm just curious. Show of hands. All right. Family fun day. It was a blast. And it's one of those, it starts off really hectic and chaotic. Personally, for me, I'm trying to make sure that we get the delivery scheduled and that everybody's where they need to be. And I'm kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I'm kind of like, oh, goodness. And we had just done fair parking, so part of me was like, oh, I'm tired. But then as soon as church let out and those kids went running for that slide, the smiles on their faces made it all absolutely worth it. Now, some of you, you were actually really smart. And you stayed inside where the air conditioner was? Yeah, I didn't get to do that. So let me just paint a picture for all of you of what was going on outside. We had this bubble foam truck come and throw a foam party. And it was all, like, fine. It stayed in this one little spot. But it was a little windy that day. So when the wind picked up, there was just foam flying in the sky everywhere. And then we had little kids Heidi was definitely one of them, just jumping into the foam. She got so far in there, I lost her for a little bit. I'm like, I hope she's still in there. She's she's good. And then there was axe throwing, foam, axes. But let me tell you, I was laughing. If there's ever an uprising of any sort, our kids are going to be able to hold their own. Sweet little Callie, who's four years old, literally sat there and watched her pick up an axe, not even looking, and just went, and it hit the bullseye, <laughs> wearing her cute little unicorn swimsuit, just, and just, yeah. You don't mess with our kids. I mean, right. It was so much fun. And then there was the slide that was taller than the building. I honestly do not know how that thing was still upright by the end of the day. If any of you were outside watching what our kids were doing to that thing, I was like, I hope we have an insurance policy on this because... Less, we might have been buying that slide because it, it was pretty intense. But my favorite part about Family Fun Day was just watching everybody be together. I love whenever you can have people from every different background, every different age, just come together and, and do life together. They're sharing our stories, sharing food. And all I could think about is if only everyone could see church like this. A community of people getting together and living life together. But unfortunately, that's not how most people view church nowadays. Uh, I came across an article the other day, and one pastor, he said it like this. He said, if you look at the church today, for most people, it can be summed up into four categories. Number one, it's a gas station. They come in once a week when their spiritual tank is running low, and they fill up. But they won't do too much during the week because they don't want to uh, avoid a midweek fill-up. I've seen the gas prices. I try to do that myself. But spiritually, they won't share because they don't want to have to fill up again. It has to last them until Sunday. Number two, you have people that think of it as a Cinemark. It's a place of entertainment. They can come in for an hour, drink their coffee, sit in a comfortable seat, Go to a concert, hear a message, and disconnect from their lives. It's a clean and safe environment for them and their family. The church offers programs for children and teens and takes away the parents' responsibility to teach their kid about Christ. They leave their problems at the door, and with a smile on their face, they leave feeling better than when they came. The third one is they treat church like a pharmacy. They come in when they're sick and when they're hurting. They talk to the pharmacist. Fill up that prescription for pain. And once they start feeling better, they never come back again. And last, they see church like Walmart. The church offers the best products and great service at a low price. They can come in and fill their cart with the things they want and reject the things that they don't. They even can check themselves out on the way without any accountability at all. Here's the deal. Those four things aren't necessarily bad, right? Everybody starts to come to church for one of those reasons. But at some point, we have to stop coming to church and become the church. Because all of those things have one thing in common. They were all about me. And it's no surprise that self has permeated into, into church culture into church because our culture is absolutely saturated in it. Everything is about self. Everything is about me. 2 Timothy 4.3 even warned us that a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It sounds a lot like this. Fill me up. Entertain me. Take away my pain. Give me what I want when I want it and nothing else it's give me give me give me i think of it in an illustration like this we also had kona ice come last sunday i saw some of you you stayed inside and when i said hey kona ice is here all of a sudden you came running outside you were totally okay with getting in the 100 degree heat then okay i'll come for kona ice but kona ice has this truck and along it is a trailer and the trailer has all these different flavors of syrup my son is not allowed to have dye. At one point, we look over there. And he said, Well, it wasn't that big of a deal. I got wedding cake and it wasn't red. But we treat the church like that. You get under the syrup. Oh yeah, cherry. I want cherry. I want cherry. Oh, when I get my feel. Hold on, let me let me scoot over to grape. Oh, oh grape's good. Oh, you know what? I think I want orange. It's like we treat church like this buffet. Oh, you got that program that can fix this for me? Okay, I'm gonna go there. Oh wait, you're telling me I need to change my life a little bit? I'm out, let me go find something else that fits my needs. Let me find something else that will entertain me. You know what, your worship just wasn't good, let, let me move on. Me, 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 me. You become a monster of just It's like Cookie Monster, give me more. Do you know what that is? It's consumerism. It's consumerism. Consumer makes, consumerism makes our faith fragile because it puts us at the center. If it doesn't meet my tastes and my desires, then I'm out. And this epidemic in churches is a result of viewing faith communities as commodities for self rather than as a calling to God and to others. The church is not a commodity, it's a community. When people started treating the church like a commodity, We started selling it like one. This is going to be tough this morning, but I need you to hang in. I need you to hear it. Nowhere in the scriptures, and maybe I missed it, but I looked. I never saw a passage of scripture where Jesus became relatable to his audience by dressing different. I never saw a scripture where Jesus was selling them on the ultimate worship experience. Or I never saw a scripture where Jesus made sure that he fulfilled everybody's wants. Jesus didn't sell anything. Because what he had to give, he gave away freely. For people to reject or to receive. Nowadays, churches try so hard to sell the gospel to people. They make it as appealing as possible so that people will want it enough to buy into it. You hear all the time, what can we do to make them want to come? What can we do to make them make church a priority? Listen, we have tried so hard to make people want it that they have forgotten that they need it. When you make it so appealing that they will want it, they will never see that they need it, that they need God. They need a community of believers. And it's a harsh reality for churches today. Church isn't something to sell. It's something to live out. And we're to do that in biblical community. I'm going to pause here for a second because I need to say, that's not how I see our church. I wanted to make that very clear. As I was writing this down, I thought, man, thank you, God, that that is not Journey Fellowship Church. And I can say that because I have experienced a biblical community here. And what that has looked like for me is a couple years ago, I was just having a hard hard time just personally going through stuff and i was just like lord i just need to know that you see me not even 10 minutes later i get a text from sulima and it just said hey you were on my mind today god just kind of told me that i needed to text you and let you know that that he sees you or it looks like Wendy, that's normally here the other day i just got a video out of nowhere it was a worship song and it just re-energized my faith it's what i needed Or it's a lunch date with Miss Judith right here. where I can just be vulnerable and I can share that, hey, life's hard sometimes. And she understands and she can counsel me and she takes the time to help me. That is biblical community. And that's what happens in this church. And I'm sure there are many of you that have another story to tell that's very, very similar. I'm so thankful for this church and for the community of believers that we have. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would open our hearts to receive your words. I pray that you anoint the words that I speak today, God. I pray that we would understand what your true reason for biblical community is. God, I pray that we get back to a place, Lord, where we do it the way that you described it in the word, Lord, and that we come together so that we can encourage one another and persevere until the very end. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. All right. Obviously, it's no accident I'm talking about community today as we're entering into our connect group kickoff. I just felt this urge in my spirit that the Lord was just saying, I want you to talk about how important biblical community is. So that's what we're going to do. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter one, verse thirty five. The first thing that we have to understand about biblical community is that it's a we thing and not a me thing. And it's important for us to distinguish between me things and we things. Because I said earlier, this idea of self is so permeated into the church that we have become confused as to what things are me things and what things are we things. <laughs> I was thinking about it, like some of you guys out there this morning. When I say we things, you're like, there's no things that are we things. They're all me things. I'm an introvert. And I thought, you know, I would ask people, like, who in here is an introvert? And then I laugh because if you're an introvert, you're not going to raise your hand. Right? But if you're an introvert like me, there's two statements that you say a lot. How many of you have ever said the statement, I just don't feel very people y today? Or, uh, my social battery is drained. I hear some of our volunteers saying that after Go Kids on Sundays. Oh, my social battery is just draining those kids. We all do it. It's human. We get to those points where we're just like, I don't feel very people-y, and I just need a recharge. And you know what? Jesus understood this too. He absolutely felt this way. He knew the difference between me time and we time, and he models the way for us to do it. But let me tell you, Jesus' idea of me time Looks nothing like the world's idea of me time. He knew the importance of recharging, which is why he often withdrew from the crowd and he prayed. Mark 1 and 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 4:38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I had to put this one in there. It had nothing to do with him praying. It was just like, I'm tired and I'm going to take a nap. Sometimes it's okay to just be tired and take a nap, guys. Mark 6.32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 6.46. After leaving them, he went on a mountainside to pray. Luke 5.16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Luke 6.12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I think I've probably made my point. I won't read any more scriptures. Jesus withdrew often to pray. And I love that the scriptures give us this glimpse into Christ and his humanness. Some of you are like, yes, I knew it. I knew it. Me time is scriptural. Amen, pastor. Anybody else? Yes. The Lord said it. I believe it. I'm going to have me time. But what I didn't read to you was everything that Jesus was doing in between the scriptures of me time. He was doing we time. That's what he was doing. In between all those scriptures of, oh, him withdrawing to a solitary place. It was after he did something big in the community, after he poured himself out. And we get the wrong idea of me time. I deserve me time. It was rough today. But did you pour yourself out? Me time looks a lot different when we see how Jesus did it. Jesus went and did the we time and said, I need me time now so I can get up and do we time again. We've got it wrong. We get the reward of me time, which ironically is still we time because we're supposed to be with the people. That was his mission was people. Let me fill myself up so I can empty myself again. It's the great commission. And we can't do it without people. It has to become our motivation. And when it becomes the motivation, this is what I love, our me time starts to look a lot different. Me time starts to become, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up. Not so I feel better about myself. Not because it takes my pain away. But fill me up so I can empty myself out again. Lord, recharge my batteries so I can drain myself again with people. Lord, give me more so I can give more of you. That's what that's supposed to look like. Biblical community, pouring ourselves out again and again and again. He knew emptying himself was worth it because that was the mission. Like Jesus, we're to view relationships and community as a calling rather than as a commodity. Because we're not meant to be consumers. We're meant to be like Jesus. And he calls us to participate in community that is centered around him, not around us. Because we're created for community. This is why too much me time is a problem. God never intended for us to do life alone. Did you know that the first crisis in the Bible was not Adam and Eve's sin? It was man's aloneness. We're going to look at creation, the creation story in two different chapters. We're going to start in Genesis 2. This is a more detailed account of creation. He created man from dust of the ground and he breathed life into him. And it was just God and man until verse 18. And God says, it is not good for man to be what? alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Adam had God, but he was still lacking a human counterpart. Now let's go back and we're going to look at the creation story in Genesis chapter one. Verse 26 said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God had a heavenly council meeting. He called a couple people together. And it proves to us that God lives in community because God lives in a holy trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God is a them. God already had community created, so he had to create community again. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Notice how God's image is made complete once there is a them. It's only when Adam and Eve come together to form the very first human community that God upgrades the status of creation from good to what? Very good. God is a relational God. And because we've been made in his relational image, we're made for loving relationships. We're created for community with God and with each other. Community is so important to God that he opens the Bible with it. Community is so important to God that he concludes the Bible with it. Revelations 21, three through four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will be with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Listen, it sounds to me, if you're not a people person, you better become one pretty pick, quick because we're going to be around people forever, literally for all eternity. So maybe just think of that perspective next time you're like, I don't feel very peopley. Well, you know what? You better start feeling really peopley because we're going to be really peopley for a really long time. But in all seriousness, what a beautiful and complete picture of God's purpose for community We can't even imagine it because we live in broken community. It's amazing that the first two chapters of the Bible, we see what that looks like. They live in perfect community with God and with each other. And just one more chapter later, one more chapter later, it's like next day, they went and screwed it up. The very first consequences of humanity's fall into sin were relational. Human community wants innocent and perfect. I mean, Adam and Eve, they walked around naked. It was so perfect and innocent. And then that innocence is disrupted. Their eyes are opened. Trust and genuineness dissolved. And for the first time ever, they feel shame. They feel the need to defend themselves. What was the first thing Adam did? That woman starts pointing fingers. And we've been pointing fingers at other people ever since that day. They defended themselves. They covered up. They hid from God because their relationship with him was broken. This story right here tells us why we will always yearn for a loving community, but at the same time, we'll try to run and we will hide from it. Because we're made in the image of a relational God, but it's become broken because of our sin. But praise God, right? Praise God that he didn't allow our relationship to stay broken. He made a way for us to stay in relationship with him. And that way was through his son, through Jesus. That relationship didn't stay broken forever. That relationship isn't broken for you today. He made a way for you to be in perfect community with him. And Jesus, I love it, he modeled community. Again and again and again. I mean, the moment he steps onto the scene to begin his ministry, what does he do? Hey, you, come with me. You, yep, I need you. You, yep, I'll take you. Come on. Yep, you, yeah, I don't care what your hair looks like. It's fine. You smell like fish. No problem. We can do this. He built a community for himself. He knew he needed people around him to encourage him, to do life with him. He was the son of God, but he was the son of man. He needed community. We need community. I'm going to say it again. We need community. In a world that celebrates self, no wonder people feel more isolated than ever. Every single marketing campaign, I mean, it just makes me sick. As a mom, can I just say I get really tired of just hearing, "Oh, oh my goodness, I just need—I need a me day," and I'm not—I'm not knocking it, please, but it's the attitude behind it that just starts to frustrate me so much. Oh, it's just such a hard day; these kids are driving me crazy. I need—I just can't wait to have wine time. I can't wait to just be by myself. I just can't—I can't. So self-absorbed self-care self-help self-service do everything by myself and what that does is it isolates us from everybody because what does it teach us it teaches us that if we can't do it on our own and if we can't help and we can't handle it and we ask for help that's considered as weakness it is not weakness we need god we cannot do it on our own We can't handle everything that the world throws at us. We were not made to do that. We need him. We need community. That self-centered attitude has people feeling like they don't belong. They struggle to make genuine connections with people. So they remain isolated, and that has carried into our church community. There are people that will go to church for years, and they will not connect with one person. One person. Here's the thing. We talked about Jesus and his me time. Your relationship with God is me time. It's private. Okay. It's, or it's not private. It's personal. What you have with him is personal, but it's not private. You don't keep it to yourself. Where's the great commission in that? It's not there. It can be personal, absolutely. What you are talking to God about, that's personal. But the fact that he changed your life, that's not private. That's something that you should want to shout to the rooftops. They should see that your life has been transformed. When you have me time, you should come out looking different. It should transform you. We can't keep it to ourselves. Biblical community, people treat it like it's some bonus to their faith. Like it's an extra scene at the end of the movie like oh I don't need it but you know if I have it that's cool no it is essential to your faith okay show of hands who in here has been camping before okay quite a few of you all right you may not agree with me but I believe that the best part about camping is sitting around the campfire right yes it's totally worth your hair to smell like smoke afterwards for days Because normally around the campfire, you get to roast some marshmallows, get to do a hot dog, sing some songs, hang out. It just feels good. It's a little cold outside. You got your hoodie on. Sorry, guys. I think I'm just ready for fall. (laughs) I'm so ready for fall. (laughs) This is crazy. It's September. Let's go. Uh, But if you've ever went camping and you're hanging around the campfire, if you're the last person to go to bed, what is your job? Put the fire out. And if you've ever put the fire out, you'll notice there's always a little flame that stays. There's embers. And if you waited for the embers to go out, you'd never go to bed. Because embers can last forever. And that's the thing about embers. When they stay close together, they stay hot. But if I were to, not with my hand... But if I were to take one of those embers and throw it out of the fire, it would cool off pretty quick because it's not made to be alone. You get where I'm going with this? Yeah. We're like embers. When we're together, we're stronger. We keep each other lit. But if you start to isolate yourself, I don't want their flame to touch me. They're just a little too much for me right now. I'm just going to take it back. You start to cool down. And you'll just keep keep going. A little bit more. A little bit more. Just like those embers. We are better together. We were made to be a community. Just kept feeling this in my spirit today. That maybe there's somebody in here today. You're just ready to give up the fight. You're ready to bail. You've been doing the church thing for a while, but you've never connected with anybody. And you're just like, I just don't see the point in this. I'm ready to give up. Nobody sees me. Nobody cares about me. I've been doing it all alone. Or maybe you've been going to a small group or a connect group and you want to quit. Or maybe you were once really active in the church but then you got hurt. And so now you don't want to be active in the church anymore. Because if you're not active in the church, it, it can't hurt you. So what do you do when you want to grow, but you don't want community? Well, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 answers that for us. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage is teaching about Christian gatherings, but it's not just about corporate worship. Corporate worship is where you can come in and you can be anonymous, you can be passive, you can sneak in, you can sit on the back row, you're the last one in and you're the first one out. I don't want anybody to see me. I'm just in and out like a ghost wall. It's not talking about that. It's actually talking about a really relational small group setting because it talks about doing these things with and to one another. You can come to church and your life may never intersect with somebody. That's not how God intended for it to be. The first thing that this verse tells us to do is to consider. Consider. That's that's the verb there is to consider. Consider. That means to stop and think carefully before making a decision. Another way you could say it is, what would happen if? What would happen if I considered somebody else? What would happen if, as I'm walking in this life, I stopped and I didn't just think about me? But most of us don't do that because it's not natural. What's a, who's the first person that you look for when you see a picture of yourself in a group of people? You look for yourself. Like, oh, hey, I wonder what I look like. Does my hair look okay? That's what we do. But what if we stopped and considered not what we can gain for other pe- from other people, but what we could give to other people? How could my life, my story, my testimony, how could that change somebody else's life? Something to consider. It goes on to say, consider how we may spur another on toward love and good deeds. Another translation says provoke, and I really like this. If you grew up in the South, like me, and you were a troublemaker, like me, my mom often said the phrase, don't provoke your sister. Nobody else? You were all good kids? Whatever. If you have a brother or a sister, you know their weak spot and you look for it and you just poke at it. Just na, 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 na. Provoke. It literally means get a rise out of somebody. God telling us to get a rise out of people. Provoke them. My husband would probably say this is one of my greatest spiritual gifts. He's like, you are really good at provoking me, woman. Some of you, come on. You have the spiritual gift of provoking too. Now you know that it's biblical and it's okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) But honestly, provoke here actually means to call them forward. It's a discipleship community that's not afraid to show a little tough love. We need a little tough love sometimes. Not to bring each other down. No. To build each other up. Because like I said, we all have weak spots. It's a blind spot. I think of like a coach getting ready for the big game. He's like, all right, boys, get in. He's like telling all of you, okay, I want you to watch this, and you need to do this, because he sees their weak spots, and he knows what the other team is going to bring to the table. Hey, uh, you were looking a little weak back there. You need to make sure you. That's what we need to do for each other. We need to coach one another, because when we have weak spots, we don't notice them. They become so a part of us, our sinful habits, and the things that we do that we do not notice them. You need somebody else to come alongside of you and be like, Hey, listen, just know I've been where you've been. And I'm telling you that what you're doing right now, it can cause problems. It's like a spiritual check. Like, hey, I just, I want you to check that. I want you to be aware of that in a way that builds each other up in a biblical community setting. The next thing it tells us to do is, uh, is, to, encur- is to keep meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What's he saying? Don't let one miss turn into two. Don't let two misses turn into three. Don't let it become to a point where you just don't even go at all anymore. Don't let whatever is happening in your life keep you from meeting together. Don't let whatever it is that's pushing you away isolate yourself from the community of God. If you can get into a habit of not going, you can get into a habit of going. You can get in a habit of you start to crave it. I love coming to church. I love spending time with you guys. We do so much. It's not even just on Sundays. I like hanging out with you on Wednesdays. I like hanging out with all of you guys because it feeds my soul. It encourages me. It nourishes me. And that's what it's supposed to do. When you meet together, you need it. It re-energizes you. It also says that we should be encouraging one another. To encourage someone literally means to come alongside of them and to help them. Remy, don't get mad at me. So we're doing um, parent-taught driver's ed. And I encourage my daughter. She would say provoking. (laughs) But as we're teaching her to drive... It looks like this. She's in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat. Hey, you should look out up there. Brake ahead. Or hey, you should slow down in the turn. You're going a little fast. Or you're, you should probably slow down as you're coming into the garage because there's a wall there. And I get the... No, she's actually doing a great job. But we do this Spiritually. We come alongside of people. I've been driving for 20 years. I might know a little bit better than she does. I might know what things to look for. I know when to use caution. I know when to, hey, full steam ahead. We know what that looks like. Spiritually, we can come alongside somebody and go, hey, I've been in your shoes. I can tell you what five years down the line is going to look like. You should probably use some caution. Or, hey, there's a big turn up ahead. There's some things going on in your life, and I know you can't see the end. You can't see the destination. But I can tell you, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. It might be slow going. You might have to yield a few times. You might have to take some wrong turns. But you know what? You're going to get there. That's what encouraging looks like. I'm with you. We're doing this together. Every time I put myself in that car, I'm putting my life at risk. You're doing that with anybody. When you put yourself in with somebody, you're going to have to give a little bit. You're going to have to be willing to walk through a little pain with them. You're going to have to be willing to go through them with it. That's what encouraging looks like. And we are to do these things all the more as we see the day approaching. Daniel, would you mind coming, please? And what is that day? It says, the day approaching. That day is the day when community with God and people is made perfect again. It's that day that I read in Revelations 21, 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will be with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed. So is community worth pursuing? Yes. Yes, a thousand times yes. It's not just worth pursuing, it's what you were created for. And my prayer today is that we go back to what God desired for community. Because treating church as a commodity has made us lose the true definition of church, And it's given us this false sense of connection. We need genuine connection with genuine people. Real authentic community that encourages and helps one another. Real authentic community that doesn't disguise gossip as prayer requests. Real authentic community that truly cares for one another without whispering, they get what they deserve. Real authentic community that isn't scared of sin in people's lives. Real authentic community that isn't afraid to get in there and get dirty cleaning up a mess in someone else's life. I wanted to share with you a vision that I had two weeks ago. I was in my prayer time Tuesday morning up here and just praying over some things that we're going through, some personal matters. And God just gave me this vision of a man sitting all alone in his recliner, just sitting there staring at the wall, feeling like nobody loves him, like he'll never get out of the addiction he's in. He'll never be able to change. He's just all alone, just sitting there. And then it changed. And outside of the door, it was like being in this hotel. And if you've ever stayed in a hotel, there's a little sign that you can put on the door. And the sign on the door said, please do not disturb. And in the vision, there was Jesus pushing the cleaning cart. And he stops by that door every single day, waiting for them to flip the sign. You can come in. You can clean my room. And he just looks every day. Passes by, not ready yet. The next day I'm passed by again, not ready yet. Just waiting to go in there and clean up the mess of this person's life. It broke my heart. Because I think there are so many times that we are scared to tackle mess in people's lives. What does it look like to just go in and find somebody and help them clean up? When they're in the deepest despair, when they feel all alone and the trash is piling up because they don't know what to do with it. Jesus just wants to come in and, you know, he wants to take the broom and he just wants, I I can get this piece right here for you. you. You need new towels? You need something to clean yourself up with? I can do that for you. I can do that for you. You want me to take the trash out? I got you. That sin in your life that you don't want around anymore, I can help you with that. I'm excellent at making things clean. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of what he wants to do in our life. So I just feel like if there is any of you today, you have felt isolated and maybe you say, man, I kind of feel like that man in the chair. Let me give you the second part of my vision. God went back to the man in the chair. The man that had isolated himself from people and isolated himself from God. But you know what? All he was was he was isolated in a room with the enemy. And the enemy was sitting right next to him. Nobody cares about you. The cycle of addiction you're in, you're not going to get out. The enemy really likes you to be right there. He likes you to be all alone. It makes you so vulnerable to his lies when there's not somebody right there next to you speaking truth, just sitting there, acting like this person's best friend. But you know what? You're not alone. You're not alone because what you can't see is on the other side of that door, Is Jesus. Is Jesus. And he wants to come in and he wants to kick the enemy out. And he wants to say those lies that the enemy has been telling you. (laughs) Oh no. I see you. I know you. I love you. I can make something out of the mess that is your life. And I want to do it. All you have to do this morning is get up. And open the door. You'll bow your heads this morning. Every eye closed. I just want to be respectful of this moment. If there is anybody. If that just hits you. This morning. If you're like I just feel like that man in the chair. I feel all alone. I've isolated myself from people that love me. I've isolated myself from the community. That I know I need to be involved in. And I'm tired of feeling alone. If that's you this morning. Just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, I see your hands. I see your hands. If there's anybody else, if there's anybody else. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, if that is you, and I know this is a hard ask, it's hard, but I'm asking you to get up this morning, open the door, and I want you to do that by coming forward. Would you come forward this morning? If you raised your hand, would you come forward? I want everybody that raised their hand to have an opportunity to see what it is like to have a group of biblical community to come around you, to pray for you and encourage you. If you raised your hand this morning, please come forward. Please come forward this morning. Thank you. Thank you for coming forward. Thank you for coming forward. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you. Can I have some of our prayer partners? Would you mind coming forward? This is the second part of that. This is where we get to be that person. We get to be, this is biblical community right here. We get to come alongside of them and we get to pray for them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to begin to pray. Just start praying. If that's you this morning, if you're feeling that way, if you've been listening to the lies of the enemy, if he's been telling you that you are not enough, I just want you to begin to pray. God, I just come to you this morning. Oh God. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.